from deep inside your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, if it weren't for irony, there'd be nothing to love. You remember a couple of weeks ago, everybody was mar- everybody except uh, a high-level representative of the United States government. We're sorry about that. Was a marching in Paris for free speech, you know, because of the whole Charlie Hebdo, th- Charlie Hebdo thing. Well, now it's later. The French government announced this week a plan to hold Internet companies accountable for any extremist messages they may host. It's extremist hosting. French President Francois Hollande wants to introduce a law that would make Google and Facebook accomplices in crimes of hate speech if users post content that the government deems extremist. We must act at the European and international level to define a legal framework so that Internet platforms which manage social media be considered responsible and that sanctions be taken, said Hollande. But he said it in French. Canada has introduced some new draconian don't-be-talking-extreme laws as well this week. But Canada didn't have a free speech march. The French Interior Minister is going to discuss the proposal with the heads of Google, Microsoft, there's still a Microsoft, Facebook, and Twitter. The president will present a draft law next month. There's a re- reaction, of course, to the recent terror attacks in France. We thought they were being so mature for a while, but no. The bullish rhetoric employed by French politicians, says Bloomberg News, has raised fears of a European Patriot Act. See, they're learning from us. It remains to be seen exactly how the boundaries of what constitutes an extremist message will be set and to what extent the web companies will be involved. And while you're looking for irony, you don't have to go to France. How about the most transparent administration in history? Despite the $65 billion we've spent to build Afghanistan's army and police forces, and we were given regular updates on how that was going, no more. The information is now considered classified. The military commands, you may have seen this in the New York Times, the military commands explanation for making the changes that such information could endanger American and Afghan lives. There aren't that many American lives left there, or will there be? Even though the data has been released every quarter over the past six years by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, Afghan officials themselves don't consider the information secret. So if there's a leak, you know where to look. Or if there's a look, you know where to leak. The move to classify data about the Afghan forces removes one of the most crucial measures for assessing the accomplishments of the international coalition. Not a bug, but a feature. We got plenty of bugs on Hello, Welcome to the Show.
Except your lovely face I put my blue jeans on I put my old blue jeans on From San Francisco, California, the new home of the homeless, people from San Francisco were telling me for years, hey, Santa Monica's got nothing on us. Well, turns out they were right. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Eversall Jr. Well, the IOC... The International Olympic Committee is fighting back against inaccuracies in the world's media. The January 27th edition of the Boston Globe had a strong rebuke from the communications director of the IOC. On its letters page, Mark Adams wrote the letter in response to an editorial that called the IOC, quote, chronically corrupt. Adams listed a number of the IOC's practice, including redistributing 90% of its revenues, voting for a compliance director, and opening its books to an international auditing firm. These inaccurate descriptions of the IOC often go unchallenged, Adams said. Increasingly, we've decided to challenge such views head-on with the facts. Perhaps one reason for the letter is that Boston's bid opposition to the Olympics has received more attention. The newspaper has repeatedly been critical of the Olympic bid. To be sure, we would take the same action whether such a claim was repeated in Boston, Rome, Berlin, or Hamburg, or anywhere in the world's media, Adams said. Rome, Hamburg, and Berlin may be bidding for 2024. It is important for the reputation of the Olympic movement, he said, that we counter these opinions with the real story. Like the salaries of the Members of the Olympic Committee, you think? The IOC did shoot down a suggestion by a Saudi Arabian official this week that the ultra-conservative nation could seek to co-host the Olympics with neighboring Bahrain by having male and female athletes compete in separate countries. Prince Fahad bin Jawali, Jalawi Al Saud, a consultant to the president of the Saudi Arabian Olympic Committee, told a French Olympic website that a resolution passed by the IOC could open the door for a possible joint bid with men's events on Saudi territory and women's competitions in Bahrain. But the IOC president, Thomas Bach, quickly dismissed the idea in a statement to the AP saying Saudi Arabia would be ineligible to bid for the Olympics unless it complies with rules barring discrimination against women in sports. 
Saudi women are largely unable to access sports because they're our ally and they like freedom. I, I'm sorry, including in public schools where physical education is not on the curriculum for girls. The Saudis sent a male-only team to last year's Asian, Asian Games in South Korea. Rio Olympic organizers said this week they have no plan B for the 2016 game sailing competitions. Despite the recent admission by the state's top environmental official, it will be impossible to meet pledges to clean up the raw sewage and trash-filled waters where the sailing events to be held. Mario Andrade, spokesman of the Rio Organizing Committee, insisted the sailing competition will be held in the bay under the best possible Olympic conditions. Brazil's most respected health research institute said late last year it had found a drug-resistant super bacteria on a beach near where the sailing competitions will get underway. But there is no plan B. There'll be a heck of an inoculation program, though, for the sailors. Rio has not yet awarded a fourth of all the projects needed to host the Olympics in 2016, said the Olympic Public Authority. Fourteen or 25% of the projects have not yet been awarded bids and therefore lack a budget or delivery deadline, according to the Responsibility Matrix for the 2016 Games. The new update puts the number of projects considered necessary for the Olympics up to 56 from 52, and only six have been completed, because the Olympics, it's a movement, and we all need one, every day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your brain on the war on drugs. If you thought that the NSA, maybe the CIA, maybe the FBI, maybe Google, maybe Facebook, Apple are the only people really following you, tracking you, using your data, think again. The U.S. government is tracking the movement of vehicles around the country in a clandestine intelligence gathering program that's been condemned as a further official exercise to build a database on people's lives, according to the Guardian newspaper. And it's your old friends at the Drug Enforcement Administration. They're monitoring license plates on a massive scale. This uh, information comes from the American Civil Liberties Union, which filed a Freedom of Information Act request from the DEA. The advocacy group said the DEA records it obtained from the Justice Department were heavily redacted and incomplete. Hey, that would be a good new job to ha- you know, for high school go- uh, career counselors. Document redactor. These records do, however, offer documentation that this program is a major DEA initiative that has the potential to track our movements around around the country said the ACLU official. If license plate readers continued to proliferate without restriction and the DEA held license plate reader reader data for extended periods, the agency would soon possess a detailed and invasive depiction of people's lives, said the ACLU, especially if combined with other surveillance data. Data mining the information the DEA has begun to use that technique, even though it's an unproven law enforcement technique, according to the organization, the ACLU. The Wall Street Journal, citing official documents and anonymous officials, reported the program built a national database to track vehicles in real time and stored hundreds of millions of records about motorists. The primary goal was to seize cars, cash, and other assets to combat drug trafficking. You know who gets those cars, cash, and assets? Local police departments. It's how they keep their budgets. 
Nice. The database did expand to motor vehicles associated with other potential crimes, according to the journal. Officials have publicly acknowledged they track vehicles near the Mexican border to combat drug trafficking, but the database's expansion throughout the United States, as one DEA email put it, throughout the United States, worries at least one senator, Patrick Leahy, said the fact that this intrusive technology is potentially being used to expand the reach of the government's asset forfeiture efforts is of even greater concern, he said to Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal. He called for additional accountability. How about some? A spokesman of the Justice Department, which includes the DEA, said the program complies with federal law. (laughs) That may be the problem. Quote, it is not new that the DEA uses the license plate reader program to arrest criminals and stop the flow of drugs, said the spokesman for the DOJ. It's not new. Relax. It's been going on for seven months. The government-run National License Plate Tracking Program, in fact, dates from 2008. Information had trickled out over the years, but far too little was known before the ACLU filed its Freedom of Information Act request. Those those meddling tricksters at the ACLU. So um, maybe what we should do, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you, the police still have to see our license plates. But if we could uh, use the same technology that they use on those things that you have to verify that a human read these letters and numbers on the Internet before you can access something, you know, those... CAPTCHA devices. If we could print our license plates and those so the machines couldn't read them, it's a win-win. This is your brain on the war on drugs. And now, the apologies of the week. First apologizer this week, Justin Bieber. Uh, So today, I was on Ellen and uh, it was a lot of fun. She's amazing. It was her birthday. Happy birthday, Ellen. Um, but I was really nervous. And I think I was nervous because I'm just... I was afraid of what people are thinking about me right now. Um, it's been a minute since I've been on a public appearance. And uh, I didn't want to come off uh, arrogant or conceited. Um, or basically how I've been acting the past year, year and a half. Um, and... I was, uh, I'm not who I was pretending to be. And uh, why I say pretending is often we, we pretend to be something we're not as a cover-up of what we're truly feeling inside. And uh, there was a lot of feelings going, going on in there. Um, just being young and growing up in this business is, is hard. It's growing, growing up in general is hard. But, um, but yeah, I just felt, I felt awkward up there. I felt like people were judging me, and I really want people to know how much I, how much I care, how much I care about people, and how I'm not that person to say I don't, I don't give a, f-. you know, I'm not that kid. I'm the person who genuinely, genuinely cares. And although what's happened in the past has happened, um, I just want to make the best impression on people, and be kind and loving and gentle and soft and as, although people can call me a softy uh that's how my mom raised me hmm. i think he cares too much officials for google have apologized after the translation services offered on the search engine giant reportedly suggested a series of anti-gay slurs in response to searches on the words gay and homosexual screenshots of attempts to translate terms for gay from spanish french and portuguese into english have appeared in a number of media outlets the more eyebrow raising suggestions for Homos, el homosexual 
include poof, faggot, and another spelling of the same word. Meanwhile, a representative for Google apologized, noting, quote, as soon as we were informed that some of our translations for certain terms were serving inappropriate results, we immediately began working to fix the issue. The spokesperson added, our systems produce translations automatically based on existing translations on the web. So we appreciate when users point out issues such as this. Unquote. It's the advantage of not having humans do it, isn't it? Over 51,000 people had signed a petition online asking for the offending translations to be amended. Former Vermont Governor Howard Dean issued a mea culpa to military veterans for his comments related to the controversial new movie American Sniper. Quote, this is something which I've almost never done in politics. I'll apologize to the veterans. I haven't seen the movie and I think it was wrong, he told MSNBC's Chris Matthews. Quote, I talked to a lot of people about it. I make no apologies to all the thousands of right-wing nutjobs who've been twittering me with nasty language, but I do apologize to the veterans. I think this movie was much more nuanced than I thought, he added. I have a lot of respect for the people who serve this country, and I apologize, unquote. Dean allegedly faced criticism from conservatives after he said there might be an intersection between people seeing the new movie and members of the Tea Party. He said that on a program on the HBO cable network by a guy named Marr. Hmm. Seth Rogen responded to the outrage incited by a series of tweets he wrote regarding the film American Sniper. Another American Sniper apology. In a statement to the AP, he said he wasn't his intent to offend anyone or to say anything with political implications. Why would you think that? Just because he did the movie about the North Korean guy? He tweeted that American Sniper, quote, kind of reminds me of the movie that's showing in the third act of Inglorious Bastards. That's a fake propaganda movie about a skilled Nazi sniper that features in the revenge fantasy of that name. Online outlets, including Fox News and The Daily Caller, concluded that Rogan's intent was to liken Clint Eastwood's fact-based drama about the late Navy SEAL to Nazi propaganda. Then Rogan went back to Twitter to clarify that he actually liked Eastwood's film, and he wasn't comparing the two at all. Conservative blogs were not appeased, nor were celebrities like Dean Cain and Kid Rock. Oh, no. Kid Rock was upset. Rogan reiterated Thursday that the movie only reminded him of the other because they both involved plots about the most lethal of snipers. He went on to explain he would never compare the film to Nazi propaganda and that he has nothing against Kyle or veterans in general. My grandfather was a veteran, Rogan said. My comment about the movie was not meant to have any political implications, he said. He also apologized for any offense his tweets might have caused. He hopes this clears things up. And it got his name out. In the media, a Democrat who made inflammatory remarks during a hearing on legislation related to driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants in New Mexico apologized this week. Minority Caucus Chair Patricia Roybal Caballero of Albuquerque apologized for comments she made a day earlier in a committee meeting. She had compared the proposed legislation to the Holocaust. During her apology, she said her party is committed to the issues. I regret my reference to the Holocaust made yesterday. I apologize to anyone who was hurt by my comments. I assure that House Democrats are focused on addressing the economy, education, and poverty. She had told the committee that the bill limiting driver's licenses reminded her of the Holocaust where Jewish Germans were forced to carry identification. The committee chairman said he didn't hear the apology, but he said to a blog that she owes him a personal apology. That's this week's Holocaust Analogy Apology. 
A Church of England vicar has apologized after being criticized for posting a link to an Internet article blaming Israel for the September 11th terror attacks. The Reverend Stephen Sizer used Facebook to promote the article entitled, quote, 9-11 Israel did it, unquote, and reportedly wrote, is this anti-Semitic? Unquote. Dr. Sizer's victor at Christ Church in Surrey. He initially refused to apologize for the post, but he appeared to change his position after an investigation into the matter was launched by the Diocese of Guildford, where he is licensed. He's now issued a statement through the diocese expressing regret and admitting that sharing the article was, quote, ill-considered and misguided. He added he's immediately suspended his use of all social media and blogs at the request of the diocese. Dr. Sizer is a prominent campaigner against Israeli policy in Palestine, but he insisted that even though he strongly disagreed with many of the things others said, he was there as an ambassador for reconciliation. I very much regret and apologize for the distress caused by the sharing on Facebook of a link to an article about 9-11 from Wikispooks. It was particularly insensitive in that last week coincided with Holocaust Memorial Day, he wrote. I removed the link as soon as I received adverse feedback. I have never believed Israel or any other country was complicit in the terrorist atrocity of 9-11. My sharing of this material was ill-considered and misguided, unquote. Dr. Sizer has previously been accused of linking to extremist content, and a formal complaint was made by the Board of Deputies of British Jews two years ago. Less than six months ago, he infuriated that board by taking part in a conference in Iran, which was dubbed an anti-Semitic hate fest. NFL Players Association President Eric Winston apologized for a verbal shot he took at the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, earlier in the day. Winston was quoted in a column on CSN New England saying that a two-year-old could do the job of the NFL commissioner. I want to apologize to Roger for being unprofessional, he says. I am disappointed that my uh, my comment was taken out of context and inserted into a column without any knowledge that the conversation was on the record. I am disappointed this reporter chose to burn me, but this is an important lesson I will learn going forward. This is my fault, and again, I apologize, unquote. It doesn't mention that Roger Goodell, who leads a nonprofit organization, the NFL, uh, last reportedly had a salary of $44 million a year. Two-year-old can't do that. Days after the surfacing of a leaked internal review, the head of human resources at the Dallas School District is resigning. One day after Carmen Darville was allowed to issue an apology, allowed by her superintendent, that was two days after publication of a leaked preliminary internal audit accusing Darville of misconduct and violations of state law, specifically making racial slurs via her internal messaging system. The preliminary audit also accused her of bullying, workplace aggression, threats of violence, retaliation, and conflicts of interest. Benedict Cumberbatch, the British actor who co-starred in 12 Years a Slave, has issued a humiliating apology for using the word colored to refer to non-white actors on a PBS, on a, actually on Tavis Smiley's PBS talk show, in which he was discussing the fact that all of this year's Oscar nominations went to white actors. Cumberbatch, who has previously spoken about slavers in his ancestry, was taking a part in a discussion about the lack of opportunities for non-white actors when he used the term. Quote, I think as far as colored actors go, it really gets different in the UK, and a lot of my friends have had more opportunities here in America than in the UK, and that's something that needs to change, unquote. Hundreds of critical comments on Twitter and social media resulted in a fulsome apology 
issued through news agencies. Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch described himself as, quote, an idiot for using outmoded terminology. The most shaming aspect of this for me is that I was talking about racial inequality in the performing arts in the UK and the need for rapid improvements in our industry when I used the term. I feel the complete fool I am, and while I'm sorry to have offended people and to learn from my mistakes in such a public manner, please be assured I have. I apologize again to anyone whom I offended for this thoughtless use of inappropriate language about an issue which affects friends of mine and about which I care deeply. I feel the complete fool. All right, so he's proud of how complete a fool he is. A bank known as BB&T, which is something bank and trust, in the, the Carolinas, apologized this week for a processing problem that caused some customer accounts to show incorrect balances or zero funds. Uh, the Winston-Salem-based bank, third largest by market share in Charlotte, said on its Facebook page that it fixed the problem, corrected account balances, and refunded overdraft fees. BB&T wholeheartedly apologizes and thanks our clients for their continued patience, unquote. Yeah, bank apologizes. And speaking of organizations apologizing, the woman in Spokane, Washington, whose billing account was renamed with a profanity after a run-in with a Comcast customer service representative, says she's pretty satisfied with attempts by Comcast to make good. Lisa Brown's story went viral after news hit that the billing name on her family Comcast account was changed from that of her husband, Ricardo Brown, not the guy who used to play at Pepperdine, to A-Hole Brown. That came after a protracted call with Comcast in which Lisa said she was trying to scale back their service to save money. They were instead passed to a customer's retention specialist who tried to keep their business. And then came the renamed bill. Comcast is uh, trying to take over the world, so maybe an apology would be well-timed at this point. Brown said she spoke with Charlie Heron, Comcast's senior vice president for customer experience, who expressed sincere apologies to the couple. Heron himself issued a statement on the Comcast website saying the person who changed the billing account name has been let go. Ouch. Customer experience, senior vice president for customer experience. To me, that's like, you know, when I uh, was someplace where they were having one of those horrible sports day morale builders for the staff of the organization that was housed in this building, it occurred to me that the only organizations that have morale building exercises are ones with really low morale.
From San Francisco, this is Le Show. And ladies and gentlemen, who really are the third world men? Who are the barbarians? Well, we here in the United States, twice this week, executed mentally impaired prisoners, despite Supreme Court rulings that say, don't do that. Texas executed an intellectually disabled prisoner. This week, Robert Ladd died by lethal injection under Texas's unique and widely ridiculed definition of intellectual disability, according to The Guardian. He was deemed capable of being executed because he did not match the degree of mental impairment depicted in a character in a John Steinbeck novel. Who says fiction isn't relevant anymore? In a final statement, Ladd addressed the sister of his victim by name, telling her he was really, really sorry. A revenge death won't get you anything, he said. Then he told the warden, let's ride. As the drug took effect, he said, stings my arm, man. The death of Ladd exposed a flaw in the normally stringent safeguards imposed by the federal courts on the death penalty states. Although the states are generally allowed to set their own standards, the Supreme Court has ruled twice on the issue of disability of the intellect, setting the parameters of humane and civilized conduct. In a ruling in 2002 and again last year, the Supreme Court banned executions of people with mental retardation on the grounds that that was a form of cruel and unusual punishment prohibited by the Eighth Amendment. It also said the death penalty states had to conform to standards set by medical science and not impose their own arbitrary definitions of mental disability. Yet, two prisoners who were categorically found to be mentally impaired by numerous medical experts were put to death. The first was in Georgia on Tuesday. Texas put Ladd to sleep by lethal injection to sleep, having deemed him not sufficiently mentally impaired according to its criterion for the condition. Under what is known as the Briseño factors, the state sets out the profile of an individual whom ordinary Texans would agree was intellectually disabled, pointing to Lenny, the lumbering and childlike character in Of Mice and Men, identifying him as the legal yardstick. Who are the barbarians? Well, they're the ones who don't read novels, obviously. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the use of our friend the Atom. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. Add to the Atom. You uh, enjoying San Francisco in the wintertime? It's too warm and sunny here. It's weird. It is weird. Analysts at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission this week completed a safety review that gives Yucca Mountain generally positive marks, but stopped short of recommending it be granted a license to operate as a nuclear waste site. What, it can be a gas station? I don't know. In the final pieces of a five-volume safety report, the agency staff it has reasonable assurance... The proposed repository could meet safety requirements to handle thousands of tons of highly radioactive spent fuel, insert them into rust-resistant canisters, and inject them into the mountains 100 miles northwest of Las Vegas. Not a sure thing? What are the odds? <laughs> what do you do? All of a sudden, Vegas. I say Vegas. That's right. The report comes on the heels of an NRC volume in October that concluded a combination of Yucca Mountain's natural geology plus titanium tunnel drip shields with reasonable expectation... That's 50-50. A little bit more. Could satisfy safety rules to keep the nuclear waste entombed and away from groundwater for up to a million years. 
as you do it. It was not an unqualified testimonial after reviewing an 8,600-page Department of Energy application for the site. The NRC said it would propose conditions on any license. Some of them would be very significant, potentially, including flight restrictions over the site and requirements that certain waste canisters be qualified for repository operations. And the NRC staff report issued last month pointed out the government doesn't have full control of the area where the repository sits and lacks the necessary water rights to occupy the site. So the agency staff is not recommending issuance of a construction authorization. At this time, effectively tossing the whole Yucca Mountain question back to Congress. They'll know what to do. The Department of Energy's Inspector General has identified more than 200 high-risk buildings that are contaminated and deteriorated with no definitive timetable for cleanup, saying the worst of the worst is at the Y-12 nuclear weapons plant in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Well, they don't need to clean them up. They just, uh, they'll decay. The audit report, released Wednesday by the Inspector General Gregory Friedman, found serious weaknesses in the Department of Energy's efforts to deal with the old facilities, some of which have been out of operation for decades, that are loaded with radioactive and hazardous materials and are gradually falling apart. See? The schedule for turning the facilities over to the Environmental Management Program for Cleanup is getting stretched and delayed, according to the report, noting many of the dirty and degraded facilities won't be designated for cleanup until 2025 or possibly even a decade later. Takes a long time to decay. A former uranium enrichment facility dating back to the Manhattan Project is on the site. The report said the National Nuclear Safety Administration, the semi-independent part of the DOE that oversees the nuclear weapons complex, had characterized that site as the worst of the worst, even though $24 million has already been spent to reduce risks at the big building. It would have been worse than the worst of the worst before. I guess. The IAG report notes that in addition to hazardous and radioactive contamination being spread by water from leaking roofs, there's a risk of explosion for materials housed at the 530,000-square-foot building. That can't be good. Explosion? No. Cleanup, it's cleanup delay week here at News of the Atom. Cleanup of Savannah River site's Cold War nuclear waste has been pushed back to fiscal year 2065, requiring an additional $25 billion and more than two extra decades of work, according to the latest projections from the Department of Energy. We got the time and the money. Really? New estimates add 23 years to the environmental management program at Savannah River, and the life cycle cost estimate has risen to between $91 billion and $109 billion, according to the Department of Energy. And they should know. Information on the delay was presented to the Citizens Advisory Board at Savannah River. The chairman said the scheduled delay puts workers and the environment at a greater risk from potential threats of nuclear materials at the site. It seems every year we push the dates back farther and farther, All that does is keep the risks in place longer and longer, she said. Reduced federal funding levels for Savannah River have contributed to the changes, said a spokesman for the DOE branch down there. The environmental management budget allows for less work to be completed each year, he said. The life cycle estimate analyzes several cleanup programs, including spent nuclear fuel processing, solid and liquid waste disposition, and soil and groundwater remediation. It considers assumptions that would affect cleanup, such as shipments from Savannah River to a permanent federal federal nuclear waste repository beginning in 2055. Just as soon as they build one. Yeah. Fiji closed an unfortunate chapter this week with a 
compensation payout to soldiers exposed to radiation during British nuclear tests in the Pacific more than 56 years ago, according to the Prime Minister. The payments came after decades of campaigning by veterans and their children for recognition of the serious health problems they suffered. More than 70 Fijians were stationed on Kiritimati, then known as Christmas Island, during the tests in 57 and 58. The British government has refused to pay any compensation, but the Fijian Prime Minister, Frank Bainimarana, said the Pacific nation could wait no longer. We're bringing justice to a brave and proud group of Fijians to whom a great injustice was done. Fiji is not prepared to wait for Britain to do the right thing. They each received $4,700 from a compensation pool. Well, it's a little bit of the right thing. Yeah. Powerful blizzard backing hurricane-strength winds that hit the northeast U.S. this week, dropping as much as two feet of snow in some areas, forced the Pilgrim nuclear power station offline after the distribution lines taking its electricity failed. Well, at least it isn't like the water being too hot to cool in the summertime. No, it's not like that at all. According to a spokesperson with Energy, Pilgrim's owner, the plant shut down at around 4 a.m. the morning of January 27th after the two lines became inoperable due to an off-site issue. The plant was already operating at reduced output because of storm-related constraints on the grid. Several hours after the shutdown, the plant reported a failure of the high-pressure coolant injection system due to an unknown equipment malfunction. Reactor control was transitioned to the safety relief valves. Energy said it might be several days before the plant could restart. This um, particular plant is on the NRC's list of the worst of the worst. We should send it to Guantanamo. Yeah, send a nuclear plant to Guantanamo. What a good idea. The United States looks set to succeed in watering down a proposal for tougher legal standards aimed at boosting global nuclear safety. According to senior diplomats, wrangling will come to a head at a 77-nation meeting in Vienna next month that threatens to expose divisions over required safety standards and the cost of meeting them. Four years after Fouke, Switzerland put forward a proposal to amend the Convention on Nuclear Safety, arguing stricter standards could help avoid a repeat of Fouke. But Russia and the United States have opposed such a change, according to diplomats. It would increase industry costs. Existing nuclear plants, especially older ones, would have to be refitted. The U.S. industry, say critics, have already spent billions on improving nuclear safety since Fouke. A compromise proposal obtained by Reuters earlier this month shows member countries are likely to issue a declaration statement echoing the amendment proposal, which had broad European backing rather than actually change the treaty. So it would be nice words. But it's a convention. Yeah. We ignore the convention against torture. What? Hey, hey. Stay with the subject. New nuclear plants should be designed and constructed with the objective of preventing accidents and minimizing off-site contamination in case of accidents. That would be the wording of the statement. Reasonably achievable safety improvements identified at plants during safety assessment should be oriented to these objectives and be implemented in a timely manner, unquote. Well, you wouldn't want to be unreasonable about safety, would you? No, you wouldn't. Even an amended convention would only leave scope for punishment in the form of peer reviews. Ow, those wrists are hurting. Yeah, and... Officials from the NRC tried to reassure residents that in 60 years, there will be a company to pay for the cleanup of the Vermont Yankee nuclear plant. Bruce Watson, an official with the NRC, said Entergy, regardless of its financial future, is still responsible for Yankee's cleanup and dismantling. This was at a community meeting. The cleanup of the 43-year-old nuclear energy station isn't happening anytime soon. Entergy has opted to put the plant into cold storage, along with the 
meats and the, yeah, the waffles, and wait for its decommissioning trust fund to grow. The company has up to 60 years to get that task done under federal law. Energy bought Vermont Yankee in 2002. It inherited the plant's decommissioning trust fund established by the plant's rate payers. But since Energy bought the plant, there have been no contributions to the fund from the new owner. Let the magic of compound interest work. That's right. And fears that playing outdoors will risk radiation exposure and other lifestyle changes brought on by the nuke crisis at Fuk are being blamed for a rise in obesity among youngsters in Fukushima Prefecture. An education ministry survey calculated the percentage of children on a prefectural basis whose body weight is at least 20% heavier than normal. 15% of nine-year-olds in Fuk were 20% or more heavier than normal, much higher than the national average. A lot of fat. No, don't even say that. Clean, cheap, safe, too fat to meter. Our friend the Adam. I've been leaving on my things. So in the morning when the morning bird sings, there's still dinner on my dinner jacket till the dinner bell rings. Ladies and gentlemen, there's big news about uh, our species, our little old species. A 60, sorry, 55,000-year-old incomplete skull found in Israel may belong to a human group that interbred with Neanderthals. This according to Nature magazine. Discovered deep in a cave at Manot by amateur speleologists, the partial cranium fills a major gap in the fossil record of Homo sapiens' journey from Africa to Europe. The skull of a human being that was living next to the Neanderthals, says Israel Herskovitz, the leader of the study. Potentially, he is the one that could have interbred with the Neanderthals, says Herskovitz, a physical anthropologist at Tel Aviv University. 
Genome studies of Neanderthals and human sapiens suggest the two species interbred somewhere in the Middle East between 50 and 60,000 years ago. But no remains of anatomically modern humans had been discovered in the Middle East from that crucial period. The Manot people are a leading candidate for the humans that bred with Neanderthals. The southern Levant is the only place where anatomically modern humans and Neanderthals were living side by side for thousands and thousands of years, Hershkovitz says. Before you judge too harshly, we know nothing from unearthed bones about the shape of soft parts of Neanderthals, such as eyes, ears, and lips. But what we do know is that they had a brain cage slightly larger than those of modern humans. And so most likely the brain itself slightly larger than modern humans. We know about the projecting mid-face, the uh, low, flat, elongated skull. They also had um, considerably more robust, stronger build. Barrel-shaped rib cage, large, larger round fingertips and large kneecaps. They sound bigger, stronger, maybe even smarter than us. How did they die out? We must have been meaner. Anyway, the idea of interbreeding with Neanderthals, not as goofy as it once might have sounded, perhaps. The planet's creatures But not one shares your fetching features You've got it all So Neanderthal Just one glimpse of your prominent brow Makes me want to get it on right now So strong, so tall So Neanderthal
Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of Glenn Yarborough with Rod McEwen's Listen to the Warm. News of the Warm, won't you? Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. A study led by atmospheric scientists, physicists as a matter of fact, at the University of Toronto finds that global warming will not lead to an overall increasingly stormy atmosphere which scientists have debated for decades. Instead, strong storms will become stronger, while weak storms become weaker. Sounds like the economy. The cumulative result of the number of storms will remain unchanged. Circulation in the atmosphere is like a heat engine, says the research associate at UT's physics department, lead author of the study, published this week in Science. The researchers borrowed techniques from oceanography and looked at observations and climate simulation. Their approach allowed them to test global warming scenarios and measure the output of atmospheric circulation under warming conditions. They concluded the increase in water vapor was making the process less efficient by evaporating water into air that's already not saturated with water vapor. They showed this inefficiency limited the strengthening of atmospheric circulation, though not in a uniform manner. But more simply, powerful storms are strengthened at the expense of weakened Weaker storms, said the researcher. We believe atmospheric circulation will adapt to this less efficient form of heat transfer, and we will see either fewer storms overall or at least a weakening of the most common weaker storms. And Iceland rising. Earth's crust under Iceland is rebounding as global warming melts the island's great ice caps, according to a University of Arizona-led team publishing in Geophysical Research Letters. It's the first to show the current fast uplift of the Icelandic crust is a result of accelerated melting of the island's glaciers, coinciding with the onset of warming that began about 30 years ago. Just coinciding, you know. Our research makes the connection between recent accelerated uplift and the accelerated melting of the Icelandic ice caps, said one of the authors. Geologists have long known that as glaciers melt and become lighter, Earth rebounds as the weight of the ice decreases. Iceland is the first place we can say accelerated uplift means accelerated ice mass lost. Loss, says the researcher. And green sea turtles may stop basking on beaches around the world within a century due to rising sea temperatures. A new study indicates basking on sun-warmed beaches helps the threatened turtles regulate their body temperatures, may aid their immune systems and digestion. Yeah, turtles have digestion. By analyzing six years of turtle surveys and 24 years of satellite data, Duke and NOAA researchers have found the turtles bask more often each year when sea surface temperatures drop. If the climate continues to warm, this behavior may cease globally by 2102. So go watch your basking turtles now. News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR Worldwide throughout Europe. You send 440 cable system in Japan around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet. On the mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the internet. At two different locations, live and archived, whenever you want it, harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through stitcher.com, available, stitcher, I said, stitcher.com. And available as a free podcast from wwno.org, Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, tunein.com, and iTunes. Yeah, I mentioned iTunes last because the company only made $12 billion in the fourth quarter of last year. They don't need the help. And it would be just like making $12 billion in a quarter if you'd agree with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago in exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and thanks to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and yes, say it with me now, Cars I Talk t shirts available at harryshearer.com in the store. Where would you think? And me? If you're on Twitter, I'm the Harry Shearer. If you're not, I ain't. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Golden Gates.